Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z and we have a great show planned for you. We're previewing the college football playoff. We're talking about the game that set offense back almost 100 years. But we're going to start with the frigid conditions outside. It's turning to winter very quickly. It's getting freezing. And hell is frozen over because the Detroit Lions have come in to the win column, beating the Minnesota Vikings, the heavily favored Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins' Minnesota Vikings, 29-27 this past weekend with a last-ditch effort touchdown at the gun to go over in the end. Jared Goff didn't play terribly. You're looking at 25 for 41, 296, three touchdowns and a pick. But most importantly, the monkey is off their back. There's a win in the win column. And after the game, Coach Campbell dedicated the win to the families and those who were tragically slain in the Michigan high school shooting from the past week. On another note, the Pittsburgh Steelers narrowly escaped with a 20-19 victory over the Baltimore Ravens in Pittsburgh after a key two-point conversion drop by Mark Andrews at the gun. John Harbaugh rolled the dice, trusting Lamar Jackson to get the job done. When you had Justin Tucker on the sideline, to kick you into overtime and possibly kick you into a victory. But I don't know. You kind of have to admire the aggressiveness. And, you know, this isn't the first time that Coach Harbaugh has decided to let Lamar Jackson roll the dice. We famously saw him ask Lamar Jackson on the field. This is more of a rhetorical rhetorical question, but still. Hey, Lamar, you want to go for two? And uh, they did, and this time it bit them in the ass. Snatching victory from the jaws, snatching defeat, I should say, from the jaws of victory. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through, the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, yeah, I mean, as a Ravens fan, I was kind of stuck in the middle. I wanted them to go for it, but I wasn't so sure if they were going to convert. Uh, John Harbaugh's explanation after the game was, listen, we were down at corners. We didn't have defense. We wouldn't have survived overtime, and I totally get it. Um, and it's a division opponent. This is this would have been a way to really put Pittsburgh away because that would have really slammed the door on any chance of them winning, you know, making the playoffs. Um, but there was a different feel about this one, right? And, you know, we saw him do this a couple of weeks back. Where he's like, Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go for it? you want to go for it? All right, we're going for it. This one was like, all right, um, 
I guess we're going to go for it here. They didn't ask him. <laughs> they got to just put the play in. And Lamar's even looking over like, really? This will be tough. Good play call. Uh, they got exactly what they wanted. They got the look they wanted. It was there. He just, eh, just a little bit outside. Should have been caught. Even if he caught it, we're not sure if he was going to go in. But, hey, man, this is the new NFL. It's aggressive, right? We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going for the win. And um, you appreciate that as a football fan. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely do. And the one thing about this division is that the Ravens are far out ahead enough that they can take some chances. So you're looking at, I mean, they're 8-4 and four now. The Bengals are 7-5. and five. The Steelers are the Steelers, and the Browns are 6-6. Six and six. The Browns draw the Ravens this weekend. So, I mean, they are firmly in the driver's seat right now. But just to turn back the Lions for a second, that is a fantastic win for Coach Campbell. It is, it is a long time coming. Those guys play their asses off for him, and they finally were able to deliver the goods. And kudos to Coach for giving the game ball to, you know, the uh, the families and the, you know, keeping the names of those people, those victims alive and in our memories. Yeah, I mean, everyone's saying they're giving them the credit. It was a sloppy game. It was terrible coaching. I'm not giving him any credit for that one. I mean, he let the Vikings come downfield to go up on them. Then the Lions come back down, and the Vikings forget that they have to play goal line defense. Like, don't let anybody into the end zone. How does Jared Goff make that pass? I mean, there's nobody around that receiver. So, I mean, everyone's wants to give you know them a participation trophy for getting their first win and and they love how you know he's such a coach campbell is such a fighter and the the teams really play for them let's be serious guys they're not really going anywhere may this this set the franchise back i mean they they got a hole for matt stafford and and that might work going forward but this tan campbell thing is i don't know it's not really working out in my opinion well one ten and one definitely uh is something that you know bolsters your argument. They're not going to be a championship level team anytime soon. I mean, it's the Lions. They've been digging out for so long that the the championship is nowhere near the rearview mirror. So, yeah, but they're playing against teams that aren't. They've been playing against teams that aren't that good. Okay, the Bears are not that good. They should have beat them on Thanksgiving. The the, the, the Vikings, they just beat. They're playing teams that are, they're, they're not world beaters, okay? They're not playing the Packers every weekend. So I'm tired of people giving them a pass. These are professional football players. Most of these guys have been with the team through 10 weeks, 11 weeks now. Get your shit together. Get your shit together and win some games. This is a professional football league, okay? This, 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 this is not this is not difficult. They have a stud running back in Swift who's hurt now, but he was having a really good year. Jamal Williams has picked up the slack pretty good. TJ Hawkinson is an all-pro tight end. Okay, he's a top ten tight end. So people stop giving them a pass. They need to win games. And I do. I like I like I like uh, Campbell's aggression. I like his attitude. But let's be real. He's making a lot of coaching errors. They, they could have well have lost that game last weekend. They won in spite of him. Well, that's the thing. that 
your talent eventually needs to show up and talent will overcome coaching errors as we've seen many times in the NFL to the point where even with a guy like Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, we're now kind of separating the two and seeing that Aaron Rodgers covered up a lot of Mike McCarthy's warts when he was in Green Bay. And you're seeing a lot of that exposed now that he's in Dallas. So maybe they are, I mean, at 1-10 in and 1, they're definitely not talented. Like, they don't have the cream of the crop talent that's in the league. You say they're professionals. They're professionals only because they're getting paid. In terms of talent, I'm not 100% sold on a lot of these guys. And 1-10 and 1 will definitely will bolster that argument. Jared Goff is finally you know, rounding into form, which is nice. It only took him 13 weeks for him to finally look like a competitive quarterback again. So we're going to see what this becomes because they don't have a top flight wide receiver. They let him go to the Giants in free agency. They weren't gonna let. They weren't gonna resign Kenny Gallagher. Right, rightly so. He's terrible. Yeah, he was. He did, they he, did, he he left last week's game with another injury. This guy's yeah. awful. This is. I mean, this is what you expected because he was hurt all the time in Detroit too. When he was there, he was great. When he played, he was off the charts. He was very noticeable. But staying on the field is a bugaboo for Kenny Galladay. Um. Who else? You, you mean, if you had Matt Stafford on this team, I said it last week, you probably have a, two or three more victories than you do now. So it's not there. The talent level, they, they're rebuilding. They need more weapons. They need more pieces. But a team that's not rebuilding right now is our own boys in blue. NYCFC is headed to the MLS Cup this Saturday, they knocked off the Philadelphia Union 2-1 in Chester, PA. They now go to Portland to take on the beloved Portland Timbers. Fun fact, the comment, color commentator, Ian Joy, he color, he's the color commentator for NYCFC. He retired a member of the Portland Timbers. Not a nice little uh, nugget, of, nugget of trivia there. So, Based on what we've seen from NYCFC, how do you like their chances against the Timbers? I mean, I feel like there's so much at stake in this game. Um, I like their chances. The most important key to victory is not beating themselves. During the regular season, there were a lot of head-scratching moments, and lately they have been playing crisp. So if they can keep the, you know, keep themselves from kind of shooting themselves in the foot they'll be in good shape and i think a win would be huge for major league soccer i mean a win by nycfc will get more people interested in the sport this is all before the world cup which is coming right around the corner and hopefully propel nycfc to get a soccer stadium built for their own well hopefully i mean it remains to be seen but there's plenty there's plenty of real estate that can be had I've been to Yankee Stadium. You've been to Yankee Stadium for an NYCFC match. There really is nothing like it. It's actually better than going for a Yankee game. I don't want to hear anything from you guys. I don't want to hear anything from Yankee fans. It's better as a soccer stadium than it is a baseball stadium. You heard it here first. But as far as keys to victory, 
you said, like you said, they can't beat themselves. When they're challenging, they got to make sure they're not challenging late. That is the reason why Tati Castellanos missed the Philadelphia game. Got a red card due to the late challenge. Uh, James Sands, Mr. Yellow Card himself, he can't seem to finish a game without being in the book. So, yeah, rise on, James Sands. So, you know, you got to play smart. You got to play disciplined. And the one thing they do have on their side, they are younger. They have fresher legs. Tati missed last week. So he can provide the pressure. You can go in with a guy like a Talis Magno, only 19 years old. He was the spark in the comeback victory. He scored the game-winning goal. And a lot of it had to do with the pressure he was providing that Hebert wasn't exactly providing when he was in. Ronnie Dahlia right now is keyed in with this team. He's making the right substitutions. He is making he's making the smart plays. Malte Almondson did not have a good game against Philly. He was out. He played fantastic against New England. Didn't have a good game. They pulled him. Tavon Gray, he needs to step up. Tavon Gray did not have a great game. Didn't have a great game against New England, but he's hobbling around on one leg because he had a really bad cramp and they were past the sub time. So that one's different. They're missing Tinnerholm. They're missing Keaton Parks. Two key cogs to their team. They got to they got to put the pressure on Jesus Medina, Santi Rodriguez. You you guys need to support Tati Castellanos with offense. Maxi Morales stepped up last week. It is on you guys this week to make sure that you bring the MLS Cup back home where it belongs to the Bronx. Yeah, and the, you know what? And they're playing the darling of Major League Soccer, right? Like the Portland Timbers is the is the like success story for Major League Soccer, uh, and NYCFC is trying to write their own success story because this was a team that uh, you know everyone was up in the air on how it was going to work out, and I really feel like New York has embraced them. I mean, when you go to these games, there's people in the stands. There's a lot of, they have a lot of soccer support. A lot of young people, very interested. And it touches all the five boroughs. It's not just the Bronx. You have people from Queens that come and make the trip. You have people from Brooklyn, Staten Island, everywhere to see NYCFC. And I really think this would be a big win. I mean, this would be the city's first championship since the Yankees in 09, right? Yankees in 09, yep. Because uh, the Giants didn't one win in the 2010s, right? Their last, they, they beat the Patriots in 07, and then 11, they, I think. So yeah, oh, so, so, that, so since yeah. 11, so since 2011, so this is a big deal, and if you and it, it it brings it brings light to the sport because right now, which is a problem, is during the soccer season, we have a lot going on. We got Jets, we got Giants, we got. The uh, Islanders, we've got the Rangers, and, and and this would be able to catapult them to the back page. Absolutely, and it's really like having New York be your champion in a league that is kind of is growing in America. Domestically, it is still a growing sport. Globally, soccer is a phenomenon. Globally, soccer is the number one sport in the world. Right. Right. So to have the championship be in New York 
would definitely be a huge feather in the cap I, of the MLS. Absolutely. And it, it also would help grow the national game, too, because Sean Johnson, the keeper for the NYCFC, is on the U.S. men's national team. He's currently the backup, but they do rotate through between him, Stefan, and Matt Turner. And uh, Matt Turner. So, you know, he definitely... His presence on this team, along with a guy like Alfredo Morales, who used to be on the, the men's national team, that really grows it domestically. Absolutely. And it, it gives legitimacy and credibility to this league on a global level. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. Well, one of the things that we're also talking about in addition to soccer right now As soccer is winding down, so is college football. Michigan has won the Big Ten Championship for the first time in school's history. We had Alabama knocking off number one Georgia, cementing their status in the CFP. Cincinnati won the ACC title. And in maybe a little bit of an upset, number nine Baylor knocked off number six Oklahoma State to win the Big Ten Championship. So deep. Which game surprised you the most, and what are you looking forward to moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I watched all these games, and to be honest with you, the Baylor-Oklahoma State game, to me, was the best game. I mean, the quarterback for Baylor came out, it was 17 for 17 to start. He was on fire. They took the lead early, and they took it all the way down until the last play of the game, Oklahoma State on the goal line, chance to win the Big Ten Championship, called the perfect play. The running back just had to beat the corner to the to the pylon, and he comes up a yard short. Such a good game, really crushed Oklahoma State's chances of entering the Big Four. Um, so that was my favorite game. Um, to me, the, the the most the most surprising was the Georgia game. I thought, I thought Georgia was going to throttle Alabama. I think we even talked about it a little bit last week. Georgia came in giving up 10 points per game. 10 points per game. And they gave up 24 points in the second quarter alone. I'm not sure what Nick Saban said to them in Alabama at halftime, but they went on to outscore Georgia in the second half 17-7. to That's crazy. Uh, and after watching that, I mean, I thought Georgia was dominant all year long. Their defense... Their front four get pressure, they plug gaps, they hit people in the backfield. I thought this was going to be Georgia's year. And now, I'm not so sure. I think, to me, Alabama is going to be the team to beat. Cincinnati was is, is a nice story. They're good. And I'll root for them. I'd love to see the upset. I just don't know if, if their style of football especially with all the rest all the teams are going to get i mean i don't think anybody's playing until new year's eve now uh michigan beat beat purdue beat the brakes off purdue that wasn't not purdue iowa beat the brakes off of iowa that really wasn't much of a game so for me i got alabama going forward what say you well alabama like i said to you in our production meeting on saturday when we were talking about georgia and alabama 
they once again asserted their dominance. Like, they're peaking at the right time. Bryce Young doing what Bryce Young does. Their running game is going to, you know, as always with Alabama, running game is going to be critical as well as their defense. Alabama is the standard of college football. That being said, I am looking forward to the Cincinnati game because I want to see what these guys can do against the tippity top of competition. We were denied that. And we haven't really, you know, we were left to wonder what would happen if Cincinnati was in the college football playoff last year. We were wondering what Coastal Carolina could have done last year. Now they have a seat at the table and they have the opportunity to prove that they deserve to be there. Now, their corners are really good. They can definitely give Bryce Young a rung for his money. But <sighs> Alabama is so deep. It, it's an, it is, I mean, it's an NFL team. Like, how many of these guys are going to suit up, whether it's next year or in the near future, how many of them are going to suit up on Sundays? A good majority of them. So we got to see if they can, if Cincinnati can not just match Alabama, but also exceed in some places. So you're going to look at Desmond Ritter. Is Desmond Ritter going to be able to outplay Bryce Young? Because he's going to have to. He's going to have to outplay. He's going to have to outplay a Heisman the, Trophy. The Heisman Trophy. Forget candidate. He is. He's the Heisman winner. There's nobody. There's nobody that's going to touch this kid. I mean, did you see the moxie he had in that last game? The poise he had against the number one team in the nation, the undefeated Georgia Bulldogs, came in there and smoked him. His throws were immaculate. He had beautiful touch on his deep ball. He was eluding pass rushers. Unbelievable. I mean, come on. If you're looking at the last four Alabama quarterbacks, or the last three Alabama quarterbacks, all of which are currently starters in the National Football League, is he not the best-looking one? Oh, without a doubt. And isn't that wild? That's wild. It's, it's just unbelievable how every year Nick Saban gets the cream of the crop of competition and I, we, I was giving him crap this year. I really was. Because I do expect that when you have the best athletes, that you should outright win every year. And he's showing, you know what, Damien? Yeah, you know what, D? I'm right. We we should win every year. And we're going to win this year because we do have the best players in the nation. Yeah, absolutely. They, they Because of their cachet, because of Nick Saban, because of, at this point, we should just call them NFLU. Because or first round you, but we all go. We we all go into this. We get we get into this. We get into this lull, right? For a while, it was the U, right? It was Miami was turning them all out every year. Then it was Clemson, right? We had the Sammy Watkins, and we had uh, we had number four who doesn't play for Houston anymore. Like we had all these guys coming out for Clemson, and but through all that. Alabama has been steady for like the last 10 years. Absolutely. This is what they do. Like this is what this is what they do and that is what Nick Saban can sell a parent that you if your son has aspirations of being a first round pick in the NFL draft, come to my school. I'll make it if, happen. I'll make it happen. If you want to have multiple co- if you want to have multiple championships, 
before you even get that far, come to me. I will make that happen. As far as the other side of the coin, you're looking at Georgia and Michigan. Is that uh, is that exciting in any stretch of the imagination? I think I think so, only because Georgia hasn't played a team like Michigan in a while, right? Because mm-hmm. Michigan is going to stick to what they do good, right? We're not going to change our game plan. We're going to run the football with our quirky cutback plays. We're going to throw the ball to the outside. Their quarterback's not that great. But the thing about Michigan, and I truly believe this, is outside of Alabama, they might have the best athletes in the country on their team. Not the best football players, athletes. So Alabama's got the best athletes and football players, right? Georgia's probably got the best football players. But Michigan probably is the second best athletes out of these final four teams. So what's the recipe for winning? The recipe for winning is we got to keep this game close. You know, Georgia's probably going to look to blow us up early and have us play from behind. So if we could just stay in the game, stay in the game for four quarters, they got a chance. They definitely need to muck it up. If it's yeah. a, def- if it's oh, a yeah. defensive struggle, yeah. like, I-, I could definitely see Michigan coming through. You definitely, you know, you need to catch Georgia while they're licking their wounds a little bit because I doubt they're going to be over what happened in the, uh, the SEC title game. So, you know, you kind of have to jump on them early, demoralize them, and then you ha- might have an opportunity to make this a lapper. But... You know, if you can't make that happen, muck it up, get it nice and dirty, and you can eke out a victory, especially if Hutchinson can get in the backfield and disrupt the quarterback situation. I I think that Michigan can definitely pull out a victory and end up playing for the national championship. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8- and 16-week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB. Dot com. But another team that eked out a victory, mucking it out in really bad situations, bad conditions, the New England Patriots, the 9-4 and four New England Patriots, after they set offense back about 100 years, they beat the Buffalo Bills 14-10 on Monday night, imposing their will on the Bills, running the ball at will, and only passing three times in the game. The ratio is 45 runs to three passes in a hellacious wind and a little bit of flurries. So was this game a bigger slap in the face to Buffalo or to the NFL in general? 
Well, just before I before I even answer that, I mean, I, everyone's saying it like set offense back. I don't think it did. I think what it did was it showed I don't need to throw the ball 60 yards. I don't know need to come up with all these elaborate plays. If my team's better than you, I'm just gonna enforce my will on you for four quarters. You know exactly what's coming, and you can't stop it. And as far as who they slapped in the face. I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like this was a big slap in the face to the NFL. Because if I'm the Patriots, I'm like, okay, you want to schedule us on Monday Night Football in Buffalo. Buffalo hasn't had a Monday Night Football game in God knows how long, especially this late in the year. Okay, no problem. This is a nationally televised game. This is where everybody's, this is the football game that everybody gets. And what we're going to do is we're going to run the ball 45 times the most boring offense you can imagine our top 16 our top 20 quarterback draft pick is just going to turn around and hand it off for four quarters how how do you think the nfl feels about that i don't think they're happy i don't think a lot of their sponsors are happy you're trying to captivate new audiences you're trying to bring new people in there is zero to talk about of this game after Monday and Tuesday. There is nothing to talk about. And of all nights to do it, it was on the night where the Manning broadcast was happening. So now we have two quarterbacks talking about one team just running the ball for the entire game. I think this is an embarrassment. I think this should teach the NFL a lesson. They shouldn't have scheduled this game. I don't think it's right to send them up to Buffalo in December, especially at night. You want them to play on a Monday night? Get the first week of the season. Yeah, maybe a game in November, October, but December in Buffalo at night it snowed. I mean, come on, these aren't Midwest teams. This isn't the Vikings. This isn't the Bears. This isn't the Packers. I don't even know if they would give the Packers a Monday night game like that. I don't. I don't know if they would. But I didn't like it. I. I, I mean, I enjoyed the game. I don't think the average football fan enjoyed the game. I was looking at other things. I was checking out how Buffalo knew what was coming still couldn't stop it and they were giving up gashers gashers like 30 40 yard gashers it's embarrassing that's what that was that was embarrassing well like john madden once said we're gonna tell you what's coming and like you mentioned this is going all the way back to when john madden was the coach of the raiders we're gonna do something so well and we're gonna execute it so flawlessly that we could tell you what's coming and you still can't stop it. Damian Harris only carried the ball 10 times. 10 for 111 yards and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson, 24 for 78. Bolden, Brandon Bolden, he's still in the league. Much less, he's still with the Patriots. Four for 28. Like, they spread it around. It wasn't even that it was one guy having a huge game. You had a unit putting this thing together. And this is a huge indictment of Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. We, we knew that the line was decent. The defensive line is decent. Great? No. The secondary, the best part of their defense. Now... They didn't even need him in this game. <laughs> no. That, the middle of that, the second wave, is just soft. Soft. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. To let New England 
just dominate you the way you did. This team has Super Bowl aspirations? Absolutely not. Look at the playoff teams, right? Tennessee, if they get Derrick Henry back, Derrick Henry's going to feast on these guys. Say if they draw the Patriots again, these guys are going to feast on the Buffalo Bills. If you look at the Ravens, like they, they will, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson on the field deck. But you got to be, able to, you gotta be he, able to stop the run. But it's, here's it's but yeah, primary. But here's the thing: it's like it's it's not it's it's like the Patriots looked at this and was like, "We can do this." Look at what Indianapolis did to them a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Two out of their last three games, they've given up over 200 yards rushing. And you know what the worst part about this is? Is that one of the people, one of the things people aren't talking about is this is like any other Buffalo team. Think about it. I remember back in the day, JP Lossman started off with the Buffalo Bills five and zero. Bledsoe one time started off like four and one. Like people come into Buffalo and they start out hot and then they sizz- and then they f- they flame out. This team seems like it's no different than any other Buffalo team. And you're right. They're going to play teams that are going to exploit them. The thing about it is, is which is exciting, I think in two weeks, they get the Patriots again, and they get them down in Foxborough. And let's see what happens in that game. Let's and the, and the worst part about it is the Buffalo Bills and, and their coach, Sean McDermott, getting all puffy about the game. This game wasn't about Bill Belichick. He says after the game, you know, why if you're going to tell me that our average uh, starting field position is the 40-yard line, and theirs is the 20. I'd take that. I wouldn't take that if I lost 14 to 10. What does that say about you, Sean? Like, what are you kidding me? Give the guy credit. Give the other team credit. They beat you. They went into your home, and they beat you. You guys were trying to throw the ball to Emmanuel Sanders and trying to ball, throw the ball to Gabriel Davis and all this boy downfield. Meanwhile, really, you have the better running backs. You drafted Zach Moss in the damn third round. Where the hell's he been the last two weeks? Oh, yeah, you sat him last week. He was a healthy scratch. Where was Matt Breida in this game? I didn't see him a lick. And Devin Singletary's running the football? Come on, Sean McDermott. Get out of here with that nonsense. You got outcoached. And then on the other side, you also got outplayed. I think it was uh, um, Micah, uh, uh, Micah Hyde and Poyer were arguing with uh, with a reporter after the game, too, because he asked the question, like, doesn't it feel embarrassing that you knew that the plays were coming and you couldn't stop it? Guys, don't be upset with the reporter. Be upset with how you played. You have to look at everybody in that locker room for the next couple weeks, and then you're going to go to Foxborough in two weeks. Can't wait for that game. Can't wait. At the end of the day, this falls on coaching. Like yeah. Sean, yeah, Sean McDermott got out coached flatly. Yeah. Brian Brian Dayball trying to throw the ball in a in what fifty mile an hour winds? Yeah, I get it. Josh Allen has a good arm. Not that good. So that is a failure on the coaching staff, in my opinion. It is a failure on their part not to adjust. Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick coach the pants off of these guys. They should be embarrassed. I'm sure they are embarrassed. And in two weeks, they're gonna get taken to the woodshed again. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, the Pete, the the Bill Belichick really had the team ready to play. He had the right scheme, and he put it to work against a division opponent. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? 
Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. Another team that has some questions going forward in how they're going to manage their team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Gardner Minshew had the Eagles humming during their win over the Jets on Sunday. Should the Eagles consider keeping Gardner Minshew as the starter after their bye this week? So Minshew went 20-25, 242, two touchdowns, no picks. So a very efficient performance. Dallas Goddard had a hell of a game. You're looking at six for 105 and two TDs. This offense definitely needs a little bit of spark right now. If Nick Sirianni cannot trust Jalen Hurts to throw the ball, you're going nowhere. And if Nick Sirianni is not willing to let Jalen Hurts throw the ball, what does that tell you about Jalen Hurts' future as as a quarterback? Or Nick Sirianni's future as a head coach? Yeah, I... I, You have to throw the damn ball in this league. You have to be balanced. Well... Sanders had a great game. Game Careful. Careful there. I mean, the the Patriots just won a game without throwing the ball at all. (laughs) Careful there. Here's... But here's why. They adjusted to the game plan necessary because of the 50 mile an hour winds. You're not playing it in a you're not playing it in a wind tunnel. So that was an you know a, that was a an outlier of a situation. If you have normal conditions, that game plan isn't happening. That Bill Belichick was trying to prove a point with that. <laughs> but in this instance, right, the the key to victory is going to be balance and not turning the football over. And Gardner Minshew did just that. And he proved that he was a capable starter in Jacksonville. I mean, what, if they decided not to draft Trevor Lawrence and draft somebody else, like, that would have been fine. Gardner Minshew was a, is a capable quarterback. I mean, I don't, I, I don't like this idea that Gardner Minshew is trash. He's decent. Decent. I'm not saying he's great. I'm saying he's decent. He's capable. So, definitely ride this as long as you can. When you say decent, compare him to another quarterback that's been that played over the last twenty years. Like, what are you, who are you comparing him to? You're comparing him to like a Matt Flynn. Are you comparing no. him to like so who, compare? Give him better give, than Matt Flynn. Wait, is, is, he, is he like a? He's not. He's not a Matt Ryan. He, you don't see no, him he, that he's good. Some, right? He's somewhere in the middle. He's he's not 
he's not great, but he's not good either. He's not he's not great, but he's not he's kind of in the middle. The probably the uh, one of the better examples is well, not not really. I mean, he's Baker Mayfield without the legs. So like Baker <laughs> Mayfield runs a little bit more than he does. And... Listen, I I love I love Gardner Minshew, even though. He rubs people the wrong way. Like he does have a, uh, he does have a small group of people that dislike him for whatever reason. But think about it. this is a solid pickup by the Philadelphia Eagles, right? For a sixth round pick, uh-huh. which they got back by trading Flacco to the New York Jets. Kind of dumb by Jacksonville, I think. Right? Trevor yeah. Lawrence is having a brutal season. I'm sure he would benefit from having Gardner meet you behind him. Anyway, I digress. Hertz has been in this position before, right? I mean, Tua took his spot at Alabama after Hertz was struggling to pass the ball. Hertz lost his starting job, transferred to Oklahoma, lit it up for Lincoln Riley, and then got drafted by the Eagles. I think this was just what Jalen needed before Philly makes a playoff push. I'm going to go stick with Jalen because I think he looks at Gardner Minshew 22 for 28, complete his first eight passes, and he's like, you know what? I got to play better, and I'm going to go out there and show them next week that I deserve to be the starter, and I'm going to push this team into the playoffs. And that's why you got, and that's why you drafted Jalen Hurts. And I, I think I really truly believe that. It was a stretch to draft Jalen Hurts where they did. Like they had, they were in a scenario with Carson Wentz at the time that they could have stuck with it for a few more years and built around that team. They chose to blow it up. Canning Peterson, trading Wentz. This team was in a position to kind of make a move. And they're also in a division that they could have bubbled back up to the top very quickly. So, you know, it was a little bit of a stretch. He's he's capable. He's definitely capable. He's going through a rough patch right now. But sometimes you need to have a breather. Sometimes, as you as was as evidenced by what happened with Tua last year, right? You need the sometimes you need the veteran to come in, and you need to be able to take a step back. And I think that makes you a better quarterback in the end run because you need that steadying force. And Gardner Minshew. As crazy as he looks sometimes, like he looks like the hybrid of David Arquette and Tom Cruise, but like you know, he with that with that fighter jacket, like he and the handlebar mustache, it was like it was a look, it was a look, man. I'm telling you that, but yeah, but I mean, but on the flip side, right? Let's look at the New York Jets for a second. I mean, this is a team with a defensive coach, right. Mm-hmm. The Eagles come in, right, and they're starting a backup quarterback. Regardless, Gardner Minshew played, he was a starter last year, but for the most part this year, this guy's been a backup quarterback, right? Yeah. And you give up all those points running and passing? The guy only threw, the ball only hit the ground six times all game? You're supposed to have a defensive background, Robert Sala. We're supposed to be seeing this team getting better defensively every week. I, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. And then after losing this past weekend, the Jets seem to be heading towards having the number four and number five pick in the NFL draft. 
experts are considering this year's draft class to be next year's draft class to be one of the weakest and not the price of admission. With the college season all but done, what should the Jets do with these picks? What should they do with coaching staff? And what should they do with their general manager? I feel like we ask this question every week. We do. It's because we do. Um, Yeah, so they're looking at... And this is the sad state of New York football, right? Because it's 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Jets, Jets, Giants, Giants. That's pretty fucking sad. But... You got to give them credit. This, you got to give them draft, credit. You got to give them credit for the Seahawks trade though. No, yeah, well Jamal Adams is out for the year. They yeah. got the they got the Seahawks pick. They got that. Yeah. Joe Douglas fleeced John Schneider. Big Agreed. Time. 100%. But then he'll go and make the Flacco move. Like it's one of those things that, you know, he'll he'll take one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, I mean, flip it. Looking at 4 and 5, I mean, I don't know. This team is not a player away. It's not two <laughs> players away. Teams know that this draft is weak, so you're not gonna. I mean, I doubt you'll be able to shop these picks as well as you think so, unless right. unless somebody absolutely falls in love with somebody at the combine. There's nobody. Which, yeah, there's really nothing. Because the Alabama so, kid's not even coming out this year. He comes nope. out next year. Nope. So realistically, the Jets, like, if you're committed, if Joe Douglas is sticking with Sala, which he should. Like, give him, you know, you need to give him time to really develop and put his culture in. Get his, you know, this draft class was decent. Some of the guys that came out are are playing, and they're showing and demonstrating that they can play. So, you know, you got to give, you got to put some more support around these guys. And with four and five, like, at that point, you're drafting best need available. Like, you're drafting best player. That's the only thing you can do, because I doubt... Um, again, unless somebody gets so enamored with the player, like the Jets got enamored with Zach Wilson last year, that they're willing to trade up and make the Jets dead. So, well, that, yeah, imagine if the Jets traded their, their sixth round pick and had Gardner meet you. Mm-hmm. You're telling me they wouldn't have won more games? You're telling me they wouldn't be in a better position than they are right now? I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to look at this. It's hard to look at this. Right, because do you trade Zach Wilson? Right, is mm-hmm. that is that on the table? Is that a is that an option? If I'm the Jets, I'm trading either the four or the five for a, ne- a pick next year, maybe a couple other picks next year, and then whatever with that whatever pick I'm I'm left with, whether it's the fourth or fifth, I'm taking the best receiver on the board. That's I need a playmaker. I need a skilled player. Corey Davis is not the answer. This guy didn't even play much this year. He's already on injured reserve. Goodbye, Corey Davis. That was a terrible signing. Okay? I'm going to go get the top wide receiver. And then with the rest of the picks in the draft, I am going to take defensive and offensive line. And then next year, with the pick that I trade for, I'm going to get me a running back. I mean, you look at the kid from Alabama, Najee Harris, who the Steelers took in the 20s. Come on, man. That guy, is, he's going to be their running back for the future. I mean, he's built like a hes built like a rock, you know? And then you have a situation where teams might be asked. I know teams, the, the problem is, is like you're saying, is like the, the picks that they're, they have, nobody's going to want. And they're in a tough position because the picks are back to back. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But you got to imagine 
someone's going to be interested. They they not they, they might not give you top dollar, but you got to you got to imagine they're interested. You can't I don't think you can really pick players at 4 and 5. I think you have to move one of those picks. You definitely do, and it's a question of what team at that point. Do you sell the Seahawks back their pick? Do you call the Rams, who don't have a first-round pick until 2097? (laughs) Do you, you know, do you call Jacksonville and say, hey, you know what? You're rebuilding. We're rebuilding. I'm I'm willing to talk with you. I'm willing to do something with you. So, you know... The Giants are in the same boat. They have just as bad of a, a talent issue, but they at least, I mean, at least they have, they, they feel like they have more juice to them, at least. The Jets, they feel like they're floundering, but, you know, it remains to be seen. Joe Douglas, just based on the fact that he made that trade, that, that trade with Seattle, right, there's a glimmer of hope. There is a glimmer of hope that he could possibly work a deal with somebody and come out smelling like a rose on the other side. How about so, how about the Eagles having three top twenty picks next year in the first round? Wow, that's which is something that they can turn around and package for a Russell Wilson or a Derek Carr or an Aaron Rodgers or you know if Deshaun Watson gets his legal troubles suited out and. They're, you know, he's exonerated. Maybe they, maybe Deshaun Watson, if everything is cleared up, everything is taken care of. Maybe, possibly, but, you know, they're in a good position. It's a good problem to have if you are close. The The problem is the Jets aren't particularly close. No. And it looks like they're behind all the teams in their division. Uh, because you know, even though Buffalo lost to the Patriots, it seems like the Patriots are back on top after just making a couple of free agency acquisitions. And Mac Jones is clearly their quarterback of the future. The Dolphins, I think, are, are in a good position too. So we'll see how it plays out. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Bullshit or no shit, we're going to debate this week's most controversial sports topics right now. All 
right, boys and girls, it is time for bullshit or no shit. You know the drill. We have a statement. If we agree with this statement, it is no shit. If we disagree with that statement, it is bullshit. You ready, D? Indeed. Bullshit or no shit, number one. The New York Rangers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Man, it feels good to say this. I'm going to say no shit. They have... They've won their last eight straight. They're eight and one at home and nine and three on the road. The moves Drury made in the offseason have paid off. And how about the Islanders being six, ten, and five? Ouch. And they're oh they haven't won a home game yet, despite playing the majority of their first set of games on the road this season. So I am going no shit. It is absolutely no shit. Despite the result this evening, they just got waxed by by Colorado 7-3 but overall you gotta like where this team is right now Chris Kreider is playing like a beast he's finally realized that he's big so he should be in front of the net Artemi Panarin is doing his deal 21 assists already so that's pretty darn impressive Adam Fox is doing what he's doing you know the best defenseman in the league It's nice to know that. The problem is, right now, and we will see what happens in the future, Igor Shosturkin is out. Alexander Georgiev is not a number one. They had to call up a guy from Hartford. Goaltending can become an issue very quickly. So they need to keep an eye on the veterans. They need to see who is available to bolster that goaltending depth because Henrik Lundqvist is in the booth now. He's not going to come out of retirement and save your ass. So I like what I've seen. I love the grit. I love the toughness. I love the team chemistry. They're 7th in power play. They're 10th in penalty kill. They're 4th in goals against with with this set of goalies. But their depth is seriously getting stretched super thin right now between the pipes. And... We'll see what happens if Shesterkin gets healthy and gets back into form, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. But you got as a Ranger fan, I am over the moon with how this team has responded to what happened last year, particularly after the Tom Wilson thing. They needed to make a change. They addressed it. Gallant is here. The tough guys are here. And don't fuck with New York. Do not fuck with New York. From one Rangers to the other. Bullshit or no shit number two. Despite the big acquisitions, the Texas Rangers will still finish last place in the American League West. Yeah, this this question comes up because of the additions of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. I'm going to say... I'm going to say bullshit. I think they will win between 70 and 80 games and finish fourth, maybe in fourth. I think Oakland is going to have a tough time next year with the new coach, learning the money ball philosophy. There might be a tough learning curve there. Let's remember the Rangers won only, only won 74 games the first season that A-Rod was there. And, you know, I was surprised to see this. You know, he, paid, he played all 162 games in, in the three seasons he was there. He played 162 games twice. And he played 161 games in the in the in one of the seasons, that's pretty impressive for him. Huh. That is surprising. 
I'm gonna go no shit as well. Uh, I don't know. It's, this just doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. For one, we need to we need to figure out the lockout. How long this is gonna be? We need to also monitor what the A's are doing. But it's still not good. Even if you bring in John Gray, like you did, you brought in John Gray from Colorado. He's automatically your ace because you're looking at. Dane Dunning, Taylor Hearn, Spencer Howard, Glenn Otto. Who? Who are these people? What is going on in Texas? Where are all their players? They used to have, they used to have a credible rotation, incredible lineup. Now, you know, great Seeger and Simeon are there, but. I mean, they're looking to deal off Kiner Falefa. I know the Yankees are interested in him. And who's in their outfield? Adolis Garcia? Willie Calhoun? Cole Calhoun? They brought in Cole Calhoun? But it just looks like they are bereft of talent. And with the A's, even if they deal off these guys, it's hard to say that they're not going to have guys in the pipeline. Because that's what the A's do. Like, this feels like it's in their wheelhouse. So I'm going to go no shit that the Rangers are going to have a tough time and probably end up in last. Bullshit or no shit number three. At this moment, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the NFL. Oh. I'm going bullshit. He was not the MVP last year either. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Reigning Super Bowl champion Tom Brady at 44 is leading the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. His team is 9-3 and in position to finish as a top three seed. So my answer is bullshito. Absolute bullshit. It is absolute bullshit that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of this league. He's a candidate. He's not a runaway dark horse. He's not a runaway horse, I should say. You're looking at Rodgers, Brady... I mean, Kirk Cousins is having a good year. He's 25 picks, three, uh, 25 touchdowns, three picks, 3,300 yards. Even Kyler Murray, you're looking at 19 and seven, and he missed time. He has 19 touchdowns, seven picks. He all he missed a few games. So, like, all are welcome candidates within the discussion. But for me, like you, Tom Brady is the correct answer. And Aaron Rodgers, you're a worthy, worthy candidate. But I don't think you're the guy this year. Sorry. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week Awards. You know how it goes. The poll goes up after the show. We list them. You vote. Do you know who won last week, D? I don't, actually. That would be the Southern Accent Bacon, Notre Dame to LSU head coach, Brian Kelly. Congratulations, coach. You won the ass. You're an ass. Congratulations. (laughs) So, once we are done here, the poll goes up on our Twitter page, at FadeRouteDNZ. It's open for a week, so make sure you vote. Who are your candidates, D? Uh, First up, I have, for alleged superstar of the week, is none other than point guard of the Portland Trailblazers, Dame Lillard, looking for a contract extension while the team is 11 and 14, and you're shooting less than 40% from the field. Dame Lillard, it's not Dame time. It's you're the alleged superstar of the week time. Number two on my alleged superstar of the week is the Georgia Bulldogs. Number one all year, undefeated, get blowed out in the SEC title game. Guys, come on. You are my alleged superstars of the week. And last and certainly least is my man Micah Hyde. You're upset at a reporter because he asked you if you were embarrassed that you lost to a team who ran the ball 45 times for 264 yards? Dude, you want to tell the reporter that you're going to remember what he said? Don't worry, Micah. We're all going to remember what you guys did (laughs) on Monday Night Football. Micah Hyde, I love you, pal, but you are my alleged superstar of the week. Z, what do you got? All great choices. For me... You went with Micah Hyde. I got the Bills D as a whole for getting the ball run down your throat by the Patriots when you knew the run was coming. Bills D, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Tony Clark and Rob Manfred for causing the first labor stoppage since 1994 and the first player lockout in Major League Baseball since 1990. Gentlemen, you collectively are my alleged superstars of the week. Antonio Brown, you COVID vaccine card faking fuck. Getting suspended and possibly being out of the circle of trust to the point where they're mulling, cutting your ass. You, sir, are an alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, Taysom Hill. Go take it right back to Thursday. 19 of 41, 264, two touchdowns, four picks against the Cowboys. $95 million man? Not quite. Sounds like a $95 million alleged superstar of the week. Those are our choices, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our nominees. Go to our Twitter poll and vote. As for all the candidates... Just do better, boys. Just do better. You can find The Fade Route on Facebook now. Check out our Facebook page, The Fade Route with DNZ. It's a one-stop shop for everything we do. 
content, link to the Fade store, all of our episodes, you name it, it is there. The Fade Route with DNZ on Facebook. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. It is the option for week 14, ladies and gentlemen. How did you do last week, brother? Uh, eight and six. Not bad. Solid. Solid. Seven and seven here. So there's only room for improvement and definitely improvement from two weeks ago. So... Hey, we're trending in the right direction. Well, the Steelers jacked me up. I mean, the Ravens, that was a mess. Yeah, the Vikings, one... the Vikings, come on, man. The Bengals played like trash. Absolute garbage. And you had you had the Bills. I mean, I had the Bills and you had the Pats, so. I also oh, took the Giants, you took the Dolphins. So, you know, we had a few missteps last week. But, hey, two of those missteps play each other on Thursday night. You're looking at the six, five, and one Steelers at the five and seven Vikings. Who you got? I mean, just based on recent play, I'm gonna go with the Steelers, and I actually picked up Ben to start for me this week at quarterback. So hopefully that goes well. Vikings defense is soft. No Dalvin Cook. No Adam Thielen. No shot. Steelers win. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The eight and four Cowboys at the six and six and surging Washington football team. Yeah, I'm thinking the football team, man. Uh, just because this game is being played in Washington. And and I was listening to Ron Rivera talk lately. It sounds like they, have, they understand how teams are playing them defensively. And that's the best part about having a defensive coach. Uh, no, a coach that knows what he's doing. So I'm going with the Washington football team. Good clarifier there. They they do. It has to be a qualified thing, you know. You have to know what you're doing, not what just the hell you're doing. understand. Not just understand defense, but know what the hell you're doing. Uh, I'm gonna go with the football team as well. They are peaking at the right time. Something's going on with Ezekiel Elliott, and he should be the straw that stirs the drink in the Cowboys offense. But he is not right now. I'm gonna go with the football team as well. The two and ten Jaguars at the eight and four Titans. Titans, Titans roll. Yeah, I mean, the the Jaguars are dead in the water, and now it appears that Trevor Lawrence is kind of infighting with the coaching staff because they benched James Robinson multiple times for fumbles, but when Carlos Hyde fumbled, he was he was put right back into the game. So there's there's some drama. There's some with two and ten. There's bound to be drama. But I'm going to go with the Titans, and it's not going to be particularly close. The 4-8 Seahawks at the 2-10 Texans. A dog game if I've ever seen one. Oh, the Seahawks. Both teams are really, really bad. Let's just be real here. I'm going to take the Seahawks because they are less bad. The Raiders at six and six at the eight and four Chiefs. How about the Chiefs going from last place to first place in that really competitive division? I'm gonna keep with the Chiefs, even though Pat Mahomes is having an awful year. The Raiders are kind of hovering where they usually hover. 
I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. They're, you know, they seem to have recovered and rebounded from their midseason malaise. Mahomes still doesn't look right. He still, like, he looks banged up, but he's gotten through it. And talent trumps all. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. The 5-7 and seven Saints at the 3-9 and nine Jets. Jason <laughs> uh, Hill is playing quarterback, so I'm going to actually take the Saints. This is tough. This is tough. Going off of that performance with four picks, it, it's hard to say that Taysom Hill can be taken seriously as a quarterback. But what but, a measuring stick for Robert Sala, right? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, if you, you played against Gardner Mishu last week, right? Yeah. This week, you have uh, – this guy's not even a quarterback. So, I mean, if you lose this game, that's a problem, right? I, mean, I would agree. And then, right, you, you play – so you play in the Saints this week. Then next week you get Tua and the Dolphins. But then after that you get Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. You got to win two out of the next three games. You should. You definitely should, but they're not going <laughs> to. I'm taking the Saints in this one too. So – I don't even think you you want to talk about the Patriots not not throwing the ball. I could see Taysom Hill just running at right, will. Right. Just, Sean Payton's like, well, we could do that too. I think, yeah, yeah, we'll try. Let's do it. It's a copycat league. I'm just saying. The five and seven Falcons at the five and seven Joe Bradyless Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I was sad. I like Joe Brady. I'm taking the Panthers. This is tough. Because the Panthers have not lived up to their have, have not lived up to the expectations that we thought they should have. The defense is decent. I'm gonna go with the Falcons. I just think that you know there's a little bit of disarray in Carolina right now, and there's more continuity with the Falcons, even if they're not very good. The eight and four Ravens at the six and six Browns. Oh, Ravens. It's a get right game. It's definitely a get-right game, and the Ravens are going to pretty handily defeat Cleveland. The 4-8 and eight Giants at the Los Angeles Chargers. We're in the 4 o'clock hour now. I'm going to take the Chargers, even though it looks like they're going to be out with both wide receivers. Austin Eckler will be able to run, run this right down the Giants' throats. They're trying to get Jake Frome ready to play. And he's like, guys, I can't start this weekend. <laughs> so. <It's> like, <coughs> <coughs> I, I can you get Joe Flacco from the Jets? As much as you want me to play, I do not know the playbook. So I'm not playing this weekend. But thanks for picking me up. Thanks for bringing me on the team. Happy to be here. Yeah. So Glennon has a concussion. You have Daniel Jones with the neck. Jake Fromm with the between his ears. He's not ready yet. Logan Ryan is your emergency quarterback. Kadarius Tony played quarterback in high school. Like, what are we going to do here? Is this going to be like a Kendall Hinton situation? Like, this is ridiculous. The Chargers should feast on the Giants. The one ten and one Lions at the six and six Broncos. I would take the Broncos. They play good defense. I'm going Broncos as well. It's you know. It's a more complete team than the Lions, and 
yet the Lions are just not ready for prime time, as we've seen over and over again. Potential to be the game of the week here. 425. 49ers at 6-6 six and six going into Cincy to take on the 7-5 and five Bengals. Joe, uh, Joe Burrow's got a bad finger, and they played like trash last week, so I'm going with the 49ers. This is tough, because this is definitely more about the running game. Who's going to have a better day on the ground? And I'm going to go with Joe Mixon. I think that the, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to pull this one out, and it's going to be a, a pretty good game. Bills at Bucks. I'm um, taking the Bucks. Bills got exposed. They're down Tredavious White. The Buccaneers should win this one pretty easily. Your Sunday night game of the week. They probably should have flexed out of this one, but it is a rivalry game. The 4-8 Bears at the 9-3 Packers. Packers. And not even close. The Packers are going to take this one big time. Monday night, the 8-4 Rams go into the desert to take on the 10-2 Cardinals. I'm taking the Cardinals. There's a lot of fool's gold out there in L.A. with the Rams. I bought into it. Uh, I did love L.A. for a little while there, and then they went in the tank. But... um, yeah, I think that the Cardinals are going to going to keep keep it rolling, and they there's no answer for it out in LA as to what's going on. This has been the Fade Route with D and Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.